Hey there. Welcome to October. I know I said this last month, but each one of these months really flies by. Well, we had our fall giveaway in September, and I want to say thank you to every one of you who left a written review for Christ-Dependent Single Motherhood. It means so much to hear how this podcast is impacting you, and I just wanted to read the review of Lorelai, to whom I'm going to be sending our book bundle, which includes Unpacking Forgiveness by Chris Bronze, um, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy by Mark Frogop, and Elizabeth Elliot's book, Suffering is Never for Nothing. Lorelai wrote, What a blessing, refreshing, gospel-centered encouragement to walk this hard road well. I started, I just started this past week, and I've listened to all the episodes so far. It's a rough and lonely path, and we need others to walk along with us, continually pointing us to Christ and His Word. This podcast does that. Thank you so much, Lorelai. You know, we had a giveaway this month, but no matter when it is, every time you leave a written review for this podcast, It helps others find us. If you want to be instrumental in getting the encouragement out to other single mothers around the world, did you know we have listeners in Australia, India, the UK, and not just in the United States? If you want to be part of enabling them to hear about the hope that's in Jesus Christ, even on the single mother put path, please leave a review. It's also so encouraging to keep moving forward on this podcast. I'm really excited about today's interview with Pastor Chris Bronze. It's just been an absolute delight for me to go through and listen to this recording again and be encouraged that when Jesus commands us to forgive, it's not a burden he's laying on us. It's a burden he's lifting off of us. Our Lord is so tender with us. So please enjoy and be uplifted by this conversation. Hello and welcome to Christ-Dependent Single Motherhood. Are you feeling exhausted, overwhelmed, and longing for a safe community of believers? Do you sit up at night Googling how to work and homeschool at the same time, or Bible verses on anxiety? Do you wish for a Titus II older woman to help you navigate this lonely parenting path? I'm Sarah, a veteran homeschooling mom, daughter of Christ, and no stranger to broken marriage. I know the heavy burden of shouldering a family alone. I only wanted to raise my children to love Jesus Christ, but I watched as my family crumbled in front of me. I didn't know who I could trust, but God provided the healing and discipleship I needed through mentors who spent years faithfully applying His Word to my heart like ointment to wounds. My desire is to use this podcast to share what I've learned, what I'm still learning. My prayer is that you'll be pointed to Christ, 
learn to forgive, find freedom from fear, and learn that we have a God who can be trusted. Make sure your earbuds are charged and grab your Bible. Let's walk this path together. Well, I want to welcome everyone back for another week. We did have a brief break last week, but this is a conversation that I have been looking forward to so much. We have with us today, Pastor Chris Bronze, who is a pastor in Stillman Valley, Illinois, and he has written several books actually, but the one that I read and the one that made me want to reach out to him is called unpacking forgiveness. And when I read that book, I realized that this was a message that so many of us need to hear. So Pastor Bronze, welcome to the podcast. Sarah, thank you so much for the opportunity to visit with you. I've prayed about this time. I'm looking forward to it. Well, Pastor Bronze, one of the things I really appreciate about you is that you have a high view of the word of God and a real desire to be faithful in the way that you exposit the scriptures. And um, some of the things that you talk about in your book on forgiveness are not, um, not the way that every faithful preacher sees the topic of forgiveness. So can you tell me a little bit about what the Bible tells us about what biblical forgiveness is? Well, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, There is is a lot of uh, disagreement, controversy, and, and really misunderstanding about forgiveness. And I have a really simple goal that we understand God's forgiveness in terms of how he forgives us, that we're to extend that to others. So we understand forgiveness first in terms of the gospel, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would be forgiven, would not perish, but we would be forgiven. That as Paul says in Romans 8, 1, that there would be now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So so we start with our understanding of forgiveness in terms of the gospel, but then horizontally talking about interpersonally, the idea is that we bring the gospel to bear on all of life, not just our understanding of how God forgives us, but how we forgive others. Mm -hmm. And so my whole big idea for the listeners today would be apply the gospel to your understanding of forgiveness, both in terms of how God forgives those who put their faith and trust in him, but also in terms of how we forgive others. Okay. So what is the distinctive about the way that God forgives us that we need to wrap our minds around? Well, you know, there's more than one thing that's distinctive about the way God forgives us. He is God. He is other than us. You know, he's perfect. Um, without sin um, and, you know, sent his son to die on our behalf. But how do you think 
most people's understanding of what forgiveness is departs from what the Bible teaches about it. Yeah, so so I'll, t- I'll talk in just a little technical language here for a moment. Uh, b- b- before I do that, I just I just want to say this really quickly because this might sound academic at points. And, and here's what I want to say: I understand that right now there could be a young mom listening who has four children. Who's my wife and I have four children. And we did it uh, together, but maybe there's a single mom who's just really really tired tired with life, tired with the responsibilities that it takes to just keep a family going, but then tired and disillusioned maybe about something uh, she went through as a teenager or uh, something that she went through within marriage. And whenever I talk to uh, groups about forgiveness, it's almost as soon as I start to speak and I look out, I see lots of moist eyes. Mm. And and so even now, if if I sound a little, I don't know, clinical or something, listen, the, the way we prayed before this conversation is to remember Jesus' invitation, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Mm. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. I would just say, I would say to really tired people, sometimes tired people almost dread hearing about forgiveness Yes, because it's like, oh no, this out of touch pastor is going to tell me something that I have to do. It's just going to make my life more difficult. And, And listen, the invitation of the Lord Jesus Christ is to come to him and find rest. So I just, I just want to start with that. I'm praying. I just, you know what, I'm, I always get uh, a little emotional about these things, but I'm a, I'm, I'm a pastor. I love sheep. I love uh, the, the flock. And my heart goes out to those who uh, are hurting. And so so I, my prayer is for you who might be listening that are in that. Maybe it won't be most people, but maybe there's just one or two. But in any case, um, here's the thing. Our forgiveness, our culture has fundamentally and really misunderstood forgiveness. And I'll use a little technical language here. Most people understand forgiveness in therapeutic ways. When you ask most people what they think forgiveness is, they view it as a private coping strategy for not feeling bitter and anger, angry. It's it's something that just happens uh, to me, myself. It's a way of deal, dealing with things. It doesn't have anything to do with my relationship with the other person. Uh, there, this is the literature is full of this. The literature is full of people, and I would say the the popular literature is full of this, of people who say uh, forgiveness is just something that you do for your own benefit. Well, listen, uh, that's not biblical forgiveness. The the Bible teaches us that when God uh, forgives us, that he makes a commitment to us that our transgressions no longer stand between us and him. God does this graciously. So he doesn't require that we pay a price for it. We don't have to earn it. He gave his son in our behalf. And it doesn't necessarily mean the elimination of consequences in this life. We take King David, for example, 
who sinned grievously, uh, was repentant, was forgiven, but there are many consequences for him and his family because of what he did. And, you know, I, I always tell, I always throw myself under the bus about this a little bit. I say, listen, if I uh, rob the bank in Stillman Valley, where I'm a pastor, which I have not done, have, have no plans to do. Right. But if I did, <laughs> and if I was repentant, um, our flock here uh, would forgive me, but I could no longer be the pastor in Stillman Valley. I would be disqualified. There would be consequences. So so that's what that's what forgiveness is that we make a commitment graciously to forgive the other person, that the matter no longer stands between us. And though that doesn't necessarily mean the elimination of all consequences. So forgiveness isn't uh, this uh, emotional strategy. Uh, forgiveness is a, a commitment that is made. Now, listen uh, to your listeners, that, that may sound very strange because they've heard all sorts of things uh, one of the most influential books about forgiveness teaches that it's legitimate to forgive God. One of the things he says is we ought to be willing to forgive God. Now you wonder um, how, how on earth, how on earth does uh, a, a Christian counsel people to forgive God? The answer is because he defines it therapeutically. He means that forgiveness is not feeling bitter or angry. And if that's the case, if, if that's all there is to forgiveness, then I ought to forgive God, whether God's guilty of anything or not. Of course, I believe that that's uh, blasphemous. To the, the implication of forgiving God is that God has done something uh, to be forgiven of. He didn't mean that. He said he didn't mean that. But I, I think you can't help but imply that when you do so. Right, right. So what I hear you saying is a few things, Pastor Bronze. Um, first, the the need to forgive is not a burden that is being laid on us, but it's a way to leave our burdens with Jesus Christ. Well, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, that's the invitation that Jesus says, or, or, or extends rather, to, to, to those people who are weary and burdened, um, I, I think of, boy, I think of since writing Unpacking Forgiveness, I um, I just shudder to to think about the situations um, that I've encountered, whether it's uh, people who have dealt with uh, abuse of one sort or another or infidelity or even uh, murder, mm. um, you know, you know, and it, it, it's awful. Oh, what do you do with that? What do you do with that? And Jesus says, well, come to me, learn from me. Don't learn from uh, unbelieving culture how to work through your burdens. Uh, learn from me. And Jesus says that what we ought to do uh, with those who uh, hurt us is we ought to love them. We ought to uh, not wish the worst for them, but pray for them. We ought to offer to them the possibility of forgiveness, that if they will repent and uh, take responsibility for what they have done, that we will say the matter no longer stands between us. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean the elimination of consequences. And that in so doing at that point, and here's a really key distinction, we're defined not by what happened to us, but by the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
which is a far better way. I mean, we're all, Sarah, listen, we're all defined by something. Um, and and when we have been deeply hurt, and mo- most of us have in one way or another, when we have been, though some far worse, but when we have been deeply hurt, there is a very real risk that we will be defined not by the love of Christ, but by being on this mental gerbil wheel where we're rehearsing over and over in our minds what has been done to us. Uh, we're tossing and turning. We're thinking about it. We're thinking, you know, I, I planned a different life. I thought I would have a, a, a better life. I tried to do this the right way. I, I, I think of, I think of uh, a young mother that, um, I served at one point, uh, not not currently, but at one point, who uh, was was just really careful when she got married that her husband wasn't defined by pornography. And then she got married. Then she found out he was, mm. and her her whole world uh, just sort of of crumbled. Listen, w- when you're at that point, uh, there is a danger that you will be defined by the response of what has been done to you. And Jesus says, don't do that. Uh, Come to me, I'll give you rest. Mm. I love that. That is such a temptation. When we've been crushed and deeply sinned against and violated to have a response that does kind of result in are being defined by what's been done to us. And so I love the fact that you're bringing that out in our flesh. That's what we want to do. That's what we want to become focused on and, and get obsessed with that. This shouldn't have happened. This shouldn't have been done to us. Yeah, well, that's right. And and I would say, I mean, that's the gravitational pull, like you say, of the, of the flesh of uh, indwelling sin. Uh, even for the believer, that's a possibility. And, you know, anecdotally, that is uh, what happens to most people. Mm. Uh, they take the broad road. Uh, they take, they build their house on that sort of sand. And they find that it is a, a crumbling foundation for life. But Christ offers something better. Mm. Now, in your book you have kind of a concise definition of biblical forgiveness. Can you tell us what that is? Well, I, I, I I absolutely should be able to, and I'm, I'm just going to look. So I say it the right way, Um, (laughs) but uh, you know, forgiveness, I'm, I'm looking for the definitions is, is a commitment by the offended um, at this to pardon graciously the repentant from moral liability to be reconciled to that person, although not all consequences are necessarily eliminated. So let me just say that again, it's a commitment. So if I do something presumptuous with my wife, uh, which in 32 years of marriage, unfortunately I have have done, excuse me, 33 years of marriage, I, I, have, I have done that and she, uh, forgives me, you know, I say to her, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? She does that graciously. So she doesn't insist that I 
uh, pay some sort of penalty for it to be forgiven. So it's a commitment by the offended to pardon graciously the repentant from liability uh, to be reconciled, though it doesn't mean all consequences are necessarily eliminated. Now, of course, Sarah, as soon as I give that definition, all sorts of questions kind of go darting off through the brush for us to chase down. So you tell me what questions come up for you. Well, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) I think the biggest one is how does forgiveness work when the offender isn't repentant, doesn't ask forgiveness, or let's say they ask forgiveness and start to go through some external motions of repentance, but long-term it proves that they're not. What do we do with that? Yeah, so there's a whole cluster of questions there we really need to think about. And, and let, me, let me just outline the situation. When the offense, let's say when the offense is grave and the offender is uh, not repentant or they have worldly sorrow, but, but not godly grief. Right. So, 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 so the, the offense is grave. Let's, let's start with that. You know, the Bible says a man's wisdom gives him patience. It's to his glory to overlook an offense. Or Peter said, love covers over a multitude of sins. You know what we do uh, with most of the offenses in life? We just move beyond them, yeah. right? Love covers over a multitude of sins. You have children. I have children. I mean, listen, we know that if we tracked every single thing down, that that is all we would do. But but let's let's say that we're we're talking about a situation where the offense is really really grave, and the person who committed it is unrepentant. Yes. I I give in my book. I I have two chapters on on this question, and I outline three principles from Romans twelve seventeen to twenty one. The first is proactively show love. God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. So we should demonstrate love, show love, even to those who harm us. There was a horrible, horrible case in Nichols Mines, Pennsylvania, where some little Amish girls, some will remember this, uh, were, uh, it's it's awful, were murdered at school. And the uh, killer took his own life. And, and so here's these families, they lose their little girls and the Amish immediately showed love even to the family of the shooter. It was Mm -hmm. unbelievable. Part of the money, there was money donated to help with funeral expenses and unbelievably uh, they gave some of that money to the family of, of the shooter. I mean, it, but but listen, this is the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5, 8. So that's that's number one. Can I stop number you just two, a minute? Yes, sure. <laughs> because sure. I know everybody who's listening, the majority of people who are listening are um, women who have experienced a broken marriage and the majority of them have also experienced an imbalance of power and control used to manipulate, coerce, and harm. And they have been abused. How how does one show love toward an abuser? 
in this situation when they're not repentant? Well, oh, yeah. So, so listen, and and it, and it, it will be critical. We get steps two and three okay. here, um, but um, first of all, uh, don't do it alone. You need to be, you know, the, the first thing you need to unpack forgiveness uh, in life, and that is to understand it and to bring it bear on your own life, is you need a local church. Mm. Uh, you need uh, a pastor. You need shepherds. You need elders uh, that will help uh, guide and protect you mm. and find your way forward. I mean, don't try and do this um, on your own. And, and it doesn't, you know, doesn't just have to obviously uh, be men. You need sisters that gather around you and, and love on you. Um, and that's, that's, that's something that, you know, I've, I've really uh, grown in my appreciation. This is my 30th year as a pastor is the need for the community of the redeemed. Mm. And it does not, love does not mean that you put yourself in a position to be, you know, abused or taken advantage of mm. or hurt further. Uh, you, you have to be, you need to be protected. Um, so, so I, it, it, it's very different and very different circumstances. I mean, you know, you start with uh, the, the case of, of serial adultery just because that's so definable. I mean, what do you do in that instance? It doesn't mean that you have to put yourself in a position. I mean, there, there are a biblical uh, standards for marriage, and there's, there's, there's a place even for a biblical divorce. And, and I talk about that uh, in Unpacking Forgiveness in, in the appendices, you know, about some of those questions in particular. So, uh, yeah, we, so how do you proactively show love? It really is a situation specific. Mm. And, uh, um, but, but let's, let's, let's hold that one for a second. Let's okay. say, you know, I'll say the other two too quickly, and then we can kind of circle around and, and talk about, uh, any of the three. The second one is take no revenge. Mm. No, no revenge. Jesus and the and the Bible is explicit and repeats this point: never avenge yourselves, never take, never take revenge. And listen, we are all inclined to take revenge, if only in small ways. Mm. I, 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 a lot of the revenge that I see take place today takes place on social media. I see people who are uh, doing things very vindictively and very deliberately to get back at the other person. Mm. But even in parenting in our home, I know in our family, when our kids were growing up, we had subtle little ways to kind of get back at the person, even if it was just shutting a door slightly hard. I mean, I can remember, or somebody say, hey, do you want to uh, watch this together? And they're like, no, no, I don't want to. And it was just a little poke that we would tend to take back at the other person. It wasn't just our kids. It was uh, their mother and father as well. And we have to say, no, listen, this has been dealt with. 
I'm not going to continue um, to make little jabs about it. Mm -hmm. So, so number one, uh, show love. Number two, take no revenge. And number three, and and listen, this is really important. I leave room for the wrath of God. Mm. Uh, you know, when the Bible says, um, "Don't avenge yourself, no revenge," Romans twelve seventeen to twenty one. It 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 also says, um, "Vengeance is mine; I will repay," says the Lord. To those of you who I I, I think of of people who grew up in abuse situations. And one of the things we, we say uh, to people in that situation is, is listen, uh, these people are not getting away with this. Whether the judicial system catches up with them or not, God is an all-knowing and omniscient just judge. And we can trust him uh, to see that justice is done. So the apostle Paul said, Think about this verse. He said, Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. Then, then what does he say next? He says, God will pay him back for it. And mm -hmm. you too should be on your guard against him. Or uh, your listeners could read 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, um, verse 3 and following, where Paul is talking to a group of people that have been gravely harmed. And the apostle Paul says, Listen, God will see that justice is done when Jesus comes back in blazing fire with his powerful enemies or angels, rather, to punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Now, now you might say at this point, oh, well, that sounds unloving to me. You're counting on the justice of God. Well, not, not at all. Actually, it is the thing that moves you to compassion for even those who have harmed you. Mm. Beth G, Bonhoeffer's, you remember Bonhoeffer was a World War II era German pastor who was put in prison and he was eventually executed for resisting the Nazis. And his friend wrote to him, he's 39 years old, his friend wrote to him in prison and said, how can you feel compassion for the Nazis? And Bonhoeffer said, it's only when, and I'm paraphrasing here, it's only when the burning reality of God's justice is hanging over your enemies that you begin to feel compassion for them. Here, here's the quote. It is only when God's wrath and vengeance are hanging as grim realities over the head of one's enemies that something what it means to love and forgive them can touch our hearts. So when we leave room for the wrath of God, that should not be this thing where we're rubbing our hands together and saying, oh, God's going to get them. It, it is rather where we take all this wrong that has been done to us and, and we give it to the Lord and we say, Lord, it, it's yours to sort out. And I know that you will take care of it. And I trust you. Indeed, I pray that the offender will come to repentance so he or she does not face your wrath. Because uh, we, we, as Christians, defined by love, would not wish the wrath of God on anyone. No, no. I have so appreciated that idea in my own process of becoming free from bitterness, although it comes back and we have to deal with it again don't we? But the, the idea that 
the sin that has been done against me will be dealt with one way or another. Either it will, yeah, be, that, it will be laid on right. Jesus and his finished work that he did on the cross, the blood of Jesus shed for sins, or that sin is going to be paid for by the eternal condemnation of the person who did it. And that, that is a sobering thought. That's not something it, it to wish on anybody. And, and by the way, here's two Psalms that are easy to remember the references because they're just the flip of one another. 37 and 73. In, in both Psalms, the psalmist is struggling one way or another with bitterness. And Psalm 73, which I spent a lot of time on in unpacking forgiveness. In Psalm 73, uh, the, the psalmist says, you know, when I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. When I tried to think, it just seems like people get away with everything. It seems like the wicked flourish. And it seems like, you know, the people who are trying to do the right thing are, are being penalized for it. And other people are getting away with either literal or figurative murder. And so the psalmist says, when I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. And then he says this, till I entered the sanctuary of the Lord, and then I understood their final destiny. When I got a God-centered worldview, when I focused on the one true God, then I understood that God will sort this all out. And, and what you said is so profound just now. Um, I try and get a handle on it until I don't, and then it comes back. Well, you and, you and me both, um, I, I had a very difficult childhood in some ways myself, and you you uh, feel as though you, you kind of have a handle on it, and then it will come flying back at you. And that that's why that's why it's important to be uh, under biblical preaching, to be with God's people, to sing, Jesus, I am resting, resting in the yes. joy of what thou art. It is before the throne of God above. When, when we do this, when we enter the sanctuary of the Lord, things come back into right focus. But this side of glory, we battle, again, as you have said, the flesh. And this is a struggle that we will continue to have uh, as we're increasing, increasingly sanctified, as we become more and more like Jesus over time, until one day we're with them. And as, as the hymn says, we're saved to sin no more. Mm. You know, I would kind of like to talk more about putting off bitterness and becoming free from bitterness. Um, how about if we stop our conversation here and we come back and we talk more? So, Pastor Bronze, I want to thank you for joining us today. And I really look forward to our next conversation about freedom from bitterness. Amen. Thanks so much for the opportunity to talk about Jesus. If you've been uplifted in any way by this podcast, it would mean so much if you'd not only subscribe, but leave a written review over on Apple Podcasts. And if you're looking for a community of like-minded, believing women on the same path as you, consider joining our Facebook group. A link is in the show notes. Until next time. Remember, we have a God who can be trusted.